Welcome to Lit Poetry, the podcast where we go on a journey of discovery, reading, analyzing, and discussing great poetry from around the world. Poetry is worth it because the reading and writing of poetry is a revolutionary act that has the potential to transform both the reader and our world. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Well, it's not you, my dear. What? What did you say to me? You hurt me, my dear, and your ugliness all stems from your own self-hatred. How dare you? Now stop talking and listen to me. Your future isn't as bleak as you think. In fact, I'm going to help you find your inner beauty. All you have to do is listen to this little poem called Love After Love by Derek Walcott. Why should I do that? Just humor me, my dear, and put down that hammer. What are you doing? I'm breakable, you know. <laughs> the time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. So putting aside the theatrics, I want to begin this podcast by talking about the historical context of the poem. Born on the island of St. Lucia, a former British colony of the West Indies, poet and playwright Derek Walcott was trained as a painter, but turned to writing as a young man. He published his first poem in a local newspaper at the age of 14. Five years later, he borrowed $200 to print his first collection, entitled 25 Poems which he distributed on street corners. Walcott's major breakthrough came with the collection of In a Green Night, poems in 1962, a book which celebrates the Caribbean and its history as well as investigates the scars of colonialism. Throughout a long and distinguished career, Walcott published many poetry collections and in 1992, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature. The Nobel Committee described his work as a poetic hors d'oeuvre of great luminosity. Sustained by a historical vision, the outcome of a multicultural commitment. 
The poem for today, however, Love After Love, is not really focused on either history or multiculturalism. Rather, it is an inwardly focused, yet universally relevant piece of verse about finding love after experiencing love's loss. Published in 1976 in the collection Sea Grapes, the poem Love After Love uses language and images that are fairly timeless, with the possible exception of those physical love letters that are described in the poem, which again helps to universalise the poem and make it easy for readers to relate to and draw inspiration from. The poem may also show some connection to Walcott's cultural background in its use of religious imagery, and in particular to its allusion to the rite of communion in the inclusion of the words bread and wine. Here it is important to note that Walcott was raised in a Methodist family, but educated at a Catholic secondary school in St. Lucia, which remains predominantly Catholic due to its past colonisation by France. Communion is a significant ritual in the practice of Catholicism, and as such, knowledge and exposure to this ritual may have influenced Walcott in reappropriating these words for use within his poem in an arguably more irreverent way. And after all, this makes sense, because as being a well-known post-colonial writer, Walcott was also known as a poet who would actively question the literary and religious traditions at the heart of colonialism. Welcome back. So before getting into a discussion about the poem's themes, I just wanted to say a few things about the poem's form. Love After Love is a free verse poem that doesn't adhere to a notable poetic form. It consists of 15 lines broken into four stanzas. However, it is really interesting to note that the poem does look a lot like a traditional sonnet to which we often associate love poems. Why do I say this? Well, first because the poem has 15 lines, only one more than a sonnet's 14 lines. Second, because the poem deals with love and heartbreak just like your typical sonnet would often do. And finally, the poem resembles a sonnet because it even contains, as many sonnets do, an important structure called the turn, usually about halfway through the lines of the poem, where the poem changes from outlining a problem or a question in the first section to finding a solution or suggesting a way ahead in the last section of the poem. Added to this, as a writer who was familiar with writing sonnets himself, Walcott chooses to create a poem here, I think, close to the sonnet form that becomes a kind of echo of that original form. Why might he do this, you may ask? Well, it's probably because he was hoping to bypass the connotations that a sonnet carries, or maybe he wanted to hint at them informally, while still setting the poem apart. On balance, the poem does elevate a kind of love, but this kind of love is the love of oneself. In adopting this focus, the poem parts company with the sonnet tradition and, in doing so, expands upon ideas about romance between two people to incorporate far more complex ideas about the places love can exist.
So let's talk about the central themes of self-love within the poem. Love After Love is a poem of solace spoken to people who know what it's like to experience the loss of love. The poem offers words of comfort by suggesting that this time of lost love will pass. But the poem qualifies this by saying that recuperation requires people to love first their own inner selves. Indeed, it is only through giving attention to the building of one's own capacity for self-love that a foundation of true future happiness can be built. After all, love that is solely dependent on the affections of others will always be far more susceptible to ending in disaster. Walcott suggests in his poem that a growing sense of self-love is the perfect antidote to a broken relationship. In other words, finding true love, especially after a former experience of love, doesn't involve finding a new partner, but finding yourself again. The poem frames its message as one of reassurance to the heartbroken. The title itself, Love After Love, promises that the end of one love won't be the end of all love. Instead, it argues that love, in fact, is something unceasing and bound to return. But in a twist, the poem subverts the idea of meeting someone new by showing that the new person you will need to meet after heartbreak to heal is your own self. And if we follow this idea all the way through, the poem is suggesting that broken relationships can actually be useful as they give people an opportunity to grow and develop who they are as dignified, self-respecting individuals. Using the typical language of romance, the poem depicts this meeting of the self as a kind of date in which you or yourself greet each other with a smile of welcome before eating together. The poem also compares this meeting to a kind of religious experience and as a partaking in a communion of sorts, as in the Catholic ritual of Holy Communion. This is alluded to by the use of the words wine and bread. And in doing this, the poem implies that getting reacquainted with yourself involves a type of profoundly spiritual or even sacred connection. Within this connection, the poem claims that you will love again the parts of yourself that have been estranged and neglected. And this, the speaker says, will be like the discovery of a new romantic spark with a stranger who has loved you all your life, but whom you have ignored for another. However, the poem also shows how learning to love yourself after love's anguish won't come without a cost. After all, there is a big cost involved in letting go of an old flame. To sever the connection completely, the poem argues that one must dispose of the tokens of your past love, such as the letters, the photographs and the desperate notes. Only by ridding oneself of these things can a person move on. All in all, the poem argues that the love of self can be one of the most authentically nourishing kinds of love, sustaining you even in the absence of a romantic partner. Asserting that you are the one who knows you by heart indicates that the love of self has a unique authenticity, intimacy and depth. Rather than dwelling on pain then, the poem treats heartbreak as an opportunity for personal growth, a chance to rejoice in who you are and to find the bedrock of an inner reality that no broken relationship can take away from you.
Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Lit Poetry Podcast. And now that the mirror's broken, it's time for me to make a love potion to change my romantic fortunes. I mean, why try love myself when I can just command it in others? Now, where did I leave that old cauldron of mine? Oh, here it is. Double, double toil and trouble. Cauldron boil and cauldron bubble. Finger of tormented poet. Into the cauldron I do throw it. With the poem from next week's show. A William Butler Yeats one that you'll all know. We'll finish by listening one more time to today's poem. I'll see you around. The time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door in your own mirror and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes. Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. You've been listening to the Lit Poetry Podcast, presented by James Laidler. For more podcasts, poetry videos, and other useful resources, visit our website at www.litpoetry.com. Thanks for listening.